Hello, everyone. Seven Investing CEO Simon Erickson here, and thank you for listening to the Seven Investing Podcast. Our podcast is made possible by our subscribers, who allow us to empower you to invest in your future each and every month. In exchange, we give our subscribers exclusive access to our monthly stock market recommendations from each of our lead advisors. To support this podcast and join other Seven Investing fans in our exclusive subscribers forum, where we discuss the latest market moves in real time, go to 7investing.com slash subscribe to subscribe to 7investing today. We're here to empower you to invest in your future. We are 7investing. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the 7investing podcast. I am your host today, JT Street, and I am joined by 7investing CEO Simon Erickson for yet another of our breakdowns into our summer stock challenge. Simon, how are you today, sir? Good, JT. Highly caffeinated as always. We got another good matchup. Let's get right to the punchline. All right. So today's matchup, we have in this corner, Mercado Libre, a digital uh, payments and marketplace South American Titan. And in the other corner, we have SoFi Technologies. I was going to say that they're an upstart banking system, but that might be a little bit confusing with uh, another <laughs> e-commerce platform or uh, e-banking platform. But uh, SoFi Technologies, they just got their banking charter. They started out in student loan payments and they are moving into the digital banking space. So uh, I am going to let Simon go through each one of these companies and talk about them much more eloquently than I can. And then we're going to decide which one of those is going to have the higher returns for investors over the next five years. So let's start with Mercado Libre. As I mentioned, uh, something, you know, the word Amazon gets thrown out a lot when discussing Mercado Libre. They are doing uh, in South America what Amazon, or they are trying to do in South America, what Amazon did uh, in North America and around the globe, uh, creating a digital online marketplace. Simon, tell us a little bit about Mercado Libre for those who don't know that ticker. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, kind of a lot of comparisons to uh, to eBay or to Amazon, but it is Latin America's largest e-commerce provider, uh, a digital marketplace, if you will. It's the middleman that connects the buyers with the sellers of whatever they want to sell. And there's 81 million people that are buying things in Latin America in the 18 countries and where it operates. And there's 1 million sellers that are selling things on the Mercado Libre platform. And it might sound simple, right? You just have to have a website, right? And just connect people to, to buy and sell things. But it's actually a lot, a lot, a lot more complex than that. And the thing that's so appealing about Mercado Libre is, is, is exactly what we've seen on other continents as well. Why is Amazon Amazon and no one else has really challenged their lead in e-commerce? Why is Alibaba such a regional leader, you know, over in China and Sea Limited in Southeast Asia? I mean, you kind of see these regional monopolies building up in e-commerce. And that is because there's just one platform that tends to put all of their money into providing the best payments and line shopping and then logistics option for, for both the buyers and the sellers. And then there's no reason to go anywhere else. You know, I, I have not moved from Amazon because I love the two-day free shipping I love that, you know, I can trust all the vendors that have been vetted there. And then it's really, really easy to just one-click payments. And when we compare Mercado Libre to Amazon, it's because they've done a lot of that similar playbook. They've got Mercado Pago. JT, you and I both spoke Spanish. You know, they're kind of the PayPal equivalent of making it super easy to just pay for things 
in a region where online payments is, is still kind of new to most of Latin America, right? It is the trust factor that they've introduced into the entire continent of South America and several of the countries are right outside of it too. And then the logistics too, right? If you're shipping things in Brazil, if you're, if you're a business that wants to ship something and you use the postal service, we've gotten used to in the US, it takes you know, a couple of days, probably up to a week or so. In Brazil, it's 40 days or more. It's a month and a half to get anything shipped. But if you're using a Mercado Envios, their shipping solution for Mercado Libre, since they've got their own trucks, they've got their own planes, they've got their own infrastructure, it's a day and a half. The majority of their shipments are getting there within two days as opposed to 40 days. And so you kind of see, you know, why is Mercado Libre so amazing? Why do they have all those buyers? Why are they doing $10 billion in gross merchandise volume? That's U.S. dollars equivalent uh, per quarter. It's because... There's this regional monopoly, winner-take-most dynamic in e-commerce. Mercado Libre is uh, wearing the crown as the king of e-commerce in Latin America. And you were talking about just the, the sheer amount of disruption going from sending your package and having it get, I don't know, lost in the wilderness for 40 days uh, before arriving to its destination uh, rather than a day and a half. I, I imagine that's probably one of the reasons why their revenue... Uh, was up 58% to $3 billion, and their payment volumes increased 96% to $37 billion. That's in one quarter? Am I reading that right? Is that, is that, is that accurate? It, for the most recent quarter, that's right. And that's year over year, and not, not quarter over quarter, but it is over the last year, which is amazing. You know, when you think about it, JT, um, you know, eBay kind of, and PayPal were kind of meant to be on platform, right? You use PayPal for purchases on eBay. And now people use PayPal for everything, right? You can subscribe to 7investing uh, with pay, and pay with it with PayPal now. It's the same thing with Mercado Pago down there. You can use it on platform, but it's also just kind of this entire payments ecosystem that's being used for everybody down in South America. And if you want to do that, that's 7investing.com slash subscribe. Yeah, I, I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. <laughs> Perfect. So let's transition a little bit. We've got kind of a feel for Mercado Libre. It's doing really disruptive things down south. Uh, let's pivot over to SoFi Technologies, which also uh, began its history as a bit of a disruptor in the student loan space. Let's go through a little bit about SoFi for people who don't know its history. Yeah, and this is this is digital banking, right? We we knew that there was going to be disruption in digital banking, right? It was all these legacy banks had all these bricks and mortar locations, and the staff, and you know the electric bills and everything, and. Uh, just there's not a whole lot of need for that unless you really like going in person to the bank. A lot of people don't now. And so there was kind of the opportunity to just, what if, what if you just built an app and um, got rid of all those costs and just made it as attractive as you could for the rates, right? And so what SoFi did was exactly that. Uh, they put all of their their profits into building the the best mobile app products that they could offer. Like you mentioned, JT, that kind of started with tech-savvy 20-somethings who had student loan debt, right? They wanted to refinance student loans, get better interest rates on those. Um, if you can save a couple hundred bucks a month by doing that, it's, it's kind of a, a really big win. And SoFi said, you know, hey, now that we are right in your pocket, uh, I guess figuratively because they are a bank, but they're also right in the pocket with your cell phone. They said, you know, why don't you come back to us again and we'll give you another loan when you want to take out or borrow some money for, for a home loan, for a mortgage or a car note, or, or a personal loan. You know, we want to be there for you in every phase of your life. 
And SoFi is really dead set on becoming that lending provider of choice uh, again and again and again, because most people, you know, at least traditionally have used several banks for different things, right? You had a different bank that was servicing your mortgage, who might be a different bank that was servicing your car loan, who is different than the bank that you did for your, your regular banking, you know, where your, uh, your deposit base sits. And SoFi said, what if we collapsed all of those into a simple to use app that's got a whole bunch of different products? And that's exactly what they're intending to do going forward. We were talking before we hit record on this about SoFi, and you seem to think that SoFi right now has a lot of built up, pent up momentum from the pandemic and from the student loan pause and from it getting its banking charter, I, I believe 2022 or 2021, somewhere in there, very, very recently. And all of that is, you think, leading towards some sort of uh, inflection point for SoFi in the very near future. I really do. You know, this is something that we've recommended many times at Seven Investing. It's we've actually put re-recommendation after re-recommendation on our scorecard. I might have slipped up a little bit and revealed a little bit of company IP, giving the recommendations away. But go check that out, like you said. Um, well, and, and and to to just put a note on that before we continue. Right now, you can go to seveninvesting.com, and if you type in your email address and our right there at the, the top of the homepage, you'll actually get our most recent recommendation on SoFi. So, you know, it's it's kind of our our favorite, <laughs> our worst kept secret right now is you can read Seven Investing's recommendation on SoFi right now for free just by going to our website and typing in your email address. So um, throwing that out there too, If I mean, there's a lot to like about this company and you guys clearly do as advisors. The cat is out of the bag, or at least it's beginning to, you know, there was the overhang of the student loan moratorium where it was just going to be mass forgiveness of student loans. People wouldn't need to refinance. That's mostly behind SoFi now. And I think that was the clarity that the market needed uh, for this company. And now it's kind of willing to put the appropriate investment into it that, that we've been waiting for. Um, the company is growing incredibly quickly, JT. The reason I say inflection point is you see the deposit base and the assets that they're consolidating just growing so, so quickly right now. Uh, we've got Anthony Noto at the helm. He's CEO. He was the chief operating officer of Twitter in Twitter's heyday. And now he's coming back and he's saying, you know, we want SoFi to be a top 10 U.S. financial institution. And like you just said, it was only 2021, two years ago, that they even got their bank. I'm sorry, that they even hit the public markets. It was a SPAC IPO back then. They then got their banking charter uh, shortly after within a year. And kind of in early 2022, you know, the Federal Reserve comes out and they say, okay, there's there's around 2,000 chartered banks in the United States right now. Um, a year ago, you know, early 2022, SoFi was number, let me see if I have this written down, 449 on the list in terms of the assets that they controlled, right? It was already kind of respectable on this list. Most chartered banks are rather small and regional. But then just within one year, it had jumped up to number 114. It had jumped 300 spots because it had amassed more than $13 billion in consolidated assets. And even just one quarter later here, Noto had just pointed out in their financial results and their quarterly update that they're now at $22 billion in assets. They go out there, you offer really, really attractive rates when people are looking for short-term investments, right? Um, they want to put deposits in the bank because you can still get 4 or 5% on your cash and they make it easy, super easy within the app to do it. And... Um, Suddenly, when you when you see that seemingly ambitious goal of being a top 10 bank, 
uh, if you can continue to collect $10 billion or more in assets per quarter from the right marketing, you know, low cost acquisition strategy, don't have the, le the legacy bricks and mortars. Uh, number 10 is TD Bank, JT, who's got $400 billion in assets. That's still a far away from 20 billion, but you look at the momentum um, that SoFi's got, you look at how they're consolidating assets. People are moving assets from other accounts into these guys. Um, it, it might not be as audacious and ambitious as it sounded at the time that Noto made that claim a couple of years ago. Yeah, when you think about it, you know, if, if we take the 13 billion uh, in total assets that they had, of course, even at 22 billion, I believe they even have to 20X uh, their managed assets just to get to top 10 status. So, you know, if you're, if you're looking at a company from an investor's perspective and say, okay, well, here's a company where their stated goal is to 20X their managed assets. So you would think proportionally that would be 20Xing their revenue too. Um, although maybe not, that's, I'm not sure that that's accurate because I, you would hope that, right? Uh, but the idea of a company saying, hey, we're gonna grow by 20X in the very near future is, is pretty exciting. And, and, and you mentioned one of the ways that they're doing that is having checking with really, really attractive rates. You know, we're, we're investors, we're always looking for um, free money, I guess, uh, for, for lack of a better word. And you can go and get a SoFi account. I think I saw their last checking, uh, their savings account was like 5.2%, which is now above the rate of inflation. So, yeah, you know, you and I are the same age. We've never had a savings account be worth anything from traditional banks. Like most savings accounts, you're getting like 0.2%. You're like, oh, great, I got three pennies. Yay, saving, right? Having an actual investment vehicle in your savings account where the risk is nil and you're getting a 5% guaranteed return on your investment, uh, that's really attractive for a lot of people. So it's not surprising to me to see them uh, picking up steam here. So so that's the that's the plus for SoFi and Mercado Libre. That's the landscape for, for each of them. Let's go take the flip side of the coin. You know, we're looking at these stocks long-term. Which one is going to be the better return for investors over the next five years. And that means also looking at what are some of the headwinds that might prevent them from being the best stock for investors in the next five years. You, know, you wanna have a clear picture of, of the good and the bad. So while we're on SoFi, let's let's stay here. What do you see as, I mean, you, don't, you can't know the unknown unknowns, but what are the known unknowns, the the hurdles that are in SoFi's path over the next five years in your mind? And, and it's going to be very similar for both of these, JT, because we are in financial services now, right? And the financial services risk is financial risk, right? They, these companies have to be making good loans that don't blow up, right? Remember the too big to fail, you know, banks making bad mortgage loans and, you know, student loans or whatever it was, loans. You've got to make sure that you've got creditworthiness with your borrowers. Um, now, the risk is we might be having a, a kind of challenging macro out there right now, right? Interest rates did go up, which is great if you're getting 5% on cash that you're parking in the bank. It's not as great if you have an adjustable rate loan or a mortgage that's getting more expensive for you every month. And so the, the risk for, um, for SoFi, yes, it's amazing. To see uh, so many assets consolidating with them, not only in getting new customers right out of the gate that are ready to start the journey, 
but consolidating assets from other loans too that are that are moving to the platform. But we've got to watch the credit risk. We've got to watch the financial risk of, of bringing all of that onto the balance sheet. Make sure that non-performing loans are, are kept in check. Um, it seems like that's not a concern yet, but it's something that SoFi is very aware of. We want to make sure that they're not just bringing a ton of money in and then it all blows up and then they, they don't get those paid back over time. Um, it's, I say it's, it's similar because it's a similar risk for Mercado Libre, uh, who has begun extending credit terms uh, to both its vendors and its, its buyers on the platform. Mercado Libre is a way to kind of juice the top line, juice uh, the, the uh, gross merchandise volumes that it has. Is saying, hey, if, if you need money to stock up on inventory, if you're selling things, you're one of those million small businesses, you know, we can we can extend you a loan to do that. Or if you're one of our preferred buyers who's been on the platform, you buy a lot of things, you know, we can give you either more favorable terms or a consumer loan for things like that. And interest rates are a lot higher in Latin America than they are in the U.S. You know, you might think something like that might be a eight, 10 percent kind of interest rate you got to pay back. Uh, it's typically 20, 25 percent down in Latin America. And, and that's simply uh, a function of the economy, but a lot of businesses aren't going to be, or, or consumers aren't going to be able to pay that back. And so for, for both companies, you know, financial risk for financial services, uh, it's something we've got to kind of keep an eye on as we're investors, especially as long-term investors like we want to be. Could there be an additional risk for Mercado Libre uh, built into that macro where, you know, we talk a lot about recession risk, right, in our financial discussions here in this country. And and that's certainly something that's global right now. Everyone's kind of looking over their shoulders saying, are we going to get an inflation-related recession? Uh, is that an additional risk for Mercado Libre being that they are in the, the sales space too? So, so they have it from both ends, right? They have the supply side and the demand side uh, risk there. If, if there is a recession and people you know, tighten up uh, the, the purse strings and, and stop buying online as much, could, could that be something that negatively impacts them disproportionately uh, moving forward? Absolutely. hundred percent. You know, if, if people are spending an average of a thousand dollars a month on discretionary purchases, and then all of a sudden, you know, you got to pull back on the purse strings a little bit and you're spending a hundred dollars that, def that directly impacts uh, gross merchandise volumes for an e-commerce provider. All those are great, GT, and maybe even one more for Mercado Libre is there's competition that's coming in down there, right? It's not a surprise that Brazil is a huge market and there's going to be a lot of opportunity. And we've seen um, international companies, C Limited has got Shopee that they, they, they want to encourage people to use down there. And they've been very aggressive in uh, offering promotional discounts, you know, and offering, you know, really attractive terms, payment terms, things like this to try to get people to use their app instead of using Mercado Libre's. Now they haven't invested in the infrastructure, which is why I still like Mercado Libre. Uh, it's not easy to spend billions of dollars to buy your own airplanes and your, your own payments platforms and things like that. But it is worth watching that uh, Brazil from a regulatory perspective is lowering the bar for entry for international players. International vendors now don't have to pay the same import duties that they used to have to. So there could be some additional risks of competition rising in uh, Mercado Libre's most important market of Brazil. So best stock to own for investors over the next five years. We've got SoFi, we've got Mercado Libre. Uh, we posted our poll just a few minutes ago, and we've already got quite a few responses to it. This will obviously change by the time people listen to this, but right, this, is, this might be our closest one yet 
with, with nearly 100 votes in. Looks like Mercado Libre just edging out so far, but that, that had flipped from when I had looked at it before we started this podcast uh, 20 minutes ago. So it really is neck and neck. I, I think there's a lot of split here. Both of these are, you know, if we're going to horse race for a minute, uh, for a fin twit horse race for a minute, I, both of these are, are kind of darlings in the growth stock community. So I'll be real interested to see where people land on this, because like you said, SoFi is nearing an inflection point. Mercado Libre has that lovely uh, monopoly. It's it's fending off challengers. It's got the logistics. Where do you stand on this, Simon? What's what's your pick? These uh, well, the, the the secret is actually uh, I'll let everyone in on a secret of how we're we're doing this summer stock picking challenge, and and that is that all of these are actually really good companies. You know, we purposely picked good growth style companies like we're talking about this week and really good dividend payers that we'll talk about next week. So it's almost like a personal preference. You can't go wrong with any of these, but we do make it fun and frame it as a vote because if you're really forced to choose, right, you can't just go out and buy everything. You have to be like, all right, it's either Mercado Libre or SoFi. And we're also framing it over a five-year period. That's a long time to invest for most people. You know, the turnover of most funds is, is multiple stocks every single year, and we're framing it completely differently, saying five years out. So you've got plenty of time to execute on what you're wanting to do. Um, Mercado Libre today is a $56 billion market cap, and SoFi is about an $8.5 billion market cap. And Mercado Libre has been a fantastic performer for five years, up 259%. Um, SoFi came hot out of the gate and it's in its SPAC IPO back in, in June of 2021 and is down 17% since then. But again, I think we're really starting to see the momentum building for them. Uh, they put the time into product development. Like we said, they, they plowed all of their money into the banking charter and going out and um, low acquisition costs to get new people on, the, on, on board. And then also kind of the, the app that they built up. And then they've got a whole business to business component too. We didn't even talk about here today, but Galileo and kind of the way they're approaching businesses is very different than consumers. Um, forced to choose though, JT, just one of these companies for five years, I, I would probably vote for SoFi in this matchup just because you, you've got to really appreciate not only the ambition, but the execution and just how large that market is and how ripe it is for banking disruption. It kind of checks a lot of the important boxes for me. It's one that I'm very comfortable holding for the next five years. I, I came into this ready to be convinced that Mercado Libre was the one to go with, right? I, 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 had, I had my inklings that SoFi was where I was going to lean, and I, I came into this with no expectation, ready to be convinced, and I, I don't think I have been. Uh, there's a lot of risk. I, I know a little bit about e-commerce. I one of the stocks I, I like is doing something very similar is uh, Jumia, which is doing something very similar to what Mercado Libre is doing, but in Africa. And I've seen the kind of challenges, logistical, marketing, so many challenges to try and build up that kind of presence there. And and th those are, you know, different companies doing things different ways, but I, I know the challenge. And so with so many risks, especially in the macro environment for Mercado Libre over the next five years, I, I think I like SoFi better too, especially because that 17% down since it's back is a little bit misleading. The company has gone, what, it's it's a, it's over 100% since year to date, right? I, I, I think it was down in the fours and it's over in the eights. You know, 
as we as we have this conversation. So it's been running already. It's got a good head of steam, and and with the future that they are advertising, if they get anywhere close to that, it's going to be really really nice to be a SoFi investor. So I'm going to agree with you, Simon. I think SoFi is is the winner. Uh, we'll see if FinTwit agrees with us in the next 22 hours or so. If you would like to join us on this adventure, I will say. Oh, go ahead, Simon. JT, can I get in get one it. more thing on too? That, you know, it's interesting. You know, we, we've, had, we've had three votes now, right? We had um, the first one was a trade desk versus Rocket Lab, right. right? And then we did uh, Nvidia versus Snowflake, right. and and you know now we've got um, you know the one that we just discussed, uh, SoFi versus Mercalli. In all three, I, I voted in the minority. I have voted for the losing company in the poll, which is interesting. So maybe I'm the contraindicator. I don't know. It, it's it's interesting that I voted on the. Wrong side of the coin for the vote each each matchup. Yeah, I know that the trade desk had a big pop yesterday after we talked about it on Monday. So you're welcome, trade desk holders, uh, for the <laughs> for the seven investing bump. So if you want to follow along with this, we are just scratching the surface. We've done the majority of our growth stocks. Tomorrow we're going to do things a little bit differently. We're not going to do a head to head. What we're going to do is we're going to take the three winners. So whoever wins this matchup is going to join the trade desk, is going to join Snowflake, and they are all going to be put in a heads up four on one on one on one on one right battle royale uh, where all of our winners are in a four person poll, and the fourth one is our round one buy on the growth stock side, which is Tesla, the the eight hundred pound gorilla of the growth stock world, right? Ooh. It's It should be a really interesting matchup. We've I don't think we've ever done this before, but it's always been head to head one-on-one. So I'm really intrigued to see if you, if you put four companies in there, split the vote four different ways, who's gonna rise to the top? And, and can anyone dethrone Tesla on Elon's platform of choice? That's always interesting to see. We have had Tesla lose polls before. So uh, it's not just uh, fanboys, coming and voting. So it should be real interesting to see what happens when we put four stocks in a room together and see who comes out victorious. Do you have any predictions of, of what you, well, we, it's hard to make a prediction because we don't know who's going to win this one, uh, Mercado Libre versus SoFi. So let's put a pin in that. Uh, I'll ask your prediction on that when we talk about these tomorrow, but that should be really fascinating. And then next week, we're going to do what we did this week, but with income stocks. And that's going to be really neat too, because a lot of the focus for seven investing has been growth stocks over the past few years, but there's a little bit of intrigue around income uh, the past year or so as, as things have gotten a bit tumultuous in the growth uh, landscape, which might be my understatement of the podcast. It's going to be really neat <laughs> to see as we go through this process with our income stocks, how that works out too, because there's a lot of real intriguing ones and that too, like you said, we're, we're not picking bad companies here. All of these are really, really uh, fascinating potential plays. So if you're looking to follow along with us, you can do that by going to 7investing.com slash growth VS income. That has our full list of the matchups. You can see what we're going to be talking about on what day. So you can follow along. And then Simon, I got, I got to give you credit. You have put in a mountain of work on these companies doing our individual breakdown pages. We've got a landing page. There it is. There's the coffee plug for those of you listening on the podcast. 
For those who can't see me, that's my caffeine plug. That's my coffee. That's right. right that's there. right. I've got mine. I'm not going to show it because it's a disgusting energy drink and I'm a horrible person. But <laughs> the 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 amount of work that you've put into these breakdowns is really nice. And I can tell you that it's effective because it's what I read before we do these podcasts that gives me some uh, semblance of of sounding like I know what I'm talking about. So if you want to learn more about these companies, we post each of these along with the polls each day. Just go down into the comments. You can find those breakdowns. They're really, really valuable. So thank you for doing that too. Yeah, it's really, a, it's kind of fun, JT. You know, we, we do this in kind of a public facing, you know, poll matchup. It's, it's a fun summer stock picking challenge, you know, public facing, but the context behind it is is very deep. It's years of investing research. Um, not, not just what I can pull together, you know, in, in a, you know, four or five hours in a day to collapse everything into a report like this, but it's, it's just kind of, you know, you find the opportunities as investments over time. You see these companies getting stronger than you think long-term, you think five years rather than five months. And that's how you can compound your returns. And so I think one of my favorite parts of this, and, and by the way, uh, in addition to what you mentioned on the homepage, seveninvesting.com slash email is where you can get into our email list. And we're going to send, um, first of all, a, a consolidation of all of the, the articles together. So you can go back and reference them later, but also a full report on the winner too. Uh, because again, we picked good companies. We're going to track all of these. We partner with Y charts to track the returns of these companies. And we're going to say, you know, over five years, this is how it's going to do. This is how we think it's going to do. We're going to check in on them. But we're also going to provide for anybody who gets into the email list um, a, a full report on the winner. And I think that's what investing is all about. It's just, just, you know, you can compound knowledge over time, every day, every week, every month, every year, and then every decade. And before you know it, you're, you're making your own financial decisions. You're not relying on anyone else to do it for you. You can take charge of your, your 401k or your, your IRA or, you know, your trading portfolio, whatever it might be, and feel confident in doing that. And it doesn't happen overnight. You can't flip a switch and just all of a sudden become an expert investor. But we're trying to make it fun. We're trying to share a lot of these insights uh, that has certainly done pretty well for, for us in, in the stocks that we've picked over the past decade or so. And it's kind of the, the very core of what we're trying to accomplish with seven investing of empowering other investors. So I enjoy this. I really like these, these tournament uh, matchups. It's a lot of fun doing the research and finding the right companies for long-term investors. Yeah. And you said it, one of the things that I hear a lot when I tell people what we do is, oh, you can't, the, the game is rigged, right? You can't make money picking individual stocks. It, there's so much against you, algorithmic trading and, and dark pools and you know, all these things that are that are set out to uh, separate individual investors from their money. And the strategy that you guys promote and that seems to be very effective is the way to protect yourself from all that is time, right? We, we can't get in first. We can't beat the the machines, right? We can't get out first. So how do you how do you play that? Well, you don't play their game. You play the you play a different game that erodes those advantages, and that's buy hold. So if you find a great company, you buy and hold it. Over time, you're going to have great returns, despite the way the market is stacked against the individual investor. And when you look at our portfolios, if you go to our portfolios page on 7investing.com, you'll see that there's a lot of green there. You know, we, we weathered in our main portfolio, we've weathered the, the big drop of 2022. And you can see that 
through dollar cost averaging, buying and holding, as you go through the low end of that and start to see us coming through in 2023, we're green on every one of our best buy portfolios that go back to, I believe, October of 2022, or, or even actually the summer of 2022. So it, it, you really do see that proving out over time that you know, even though the wave of the market goes up and down, if you just keep on every month finding good companies, investing what money you have into that, and then dollar cost averaging over time, that is how you make the most of these kinds of recommendations. So it's been really fascinating for someone who had very little investing knowledge before we started this thing together uh, to, to go through the seven investing university uh, experience. Uh, it's been a lot of fun and, uh, and I'm happy to see where things go moving forward. So to follow along again, seveninvesting.com slash growth versus value. If you want to see all of our recommendations over the entire history of seven investing, you can subscribe to our premium service right now for just $1. And you can do that by going to seveninvesting.com slash subscribe. All of those links are available on our Twitter feed on social media. You can find that at seven investing. For Simon Erickson, I'm JT Street, and we will see you tomorrow for our next matchup in the Summer Stock Challenge. Have a great day, everyone.